0: everyone welcome to the stem sessions podcast the uk stem careers podcast my name is Natalie chung and i'm one of the members of the london hub team you've probably heard from some of my colleagues in the london hub team in other episodes today i'm delighted to be interviewing stem ambassador Catherine coldham Catherine, please introduce yourself Hi
1: everyone, I'm Catherine. I'm a PhD student from Brunel University London and I work on one of the experiments at CERN. So I analyse data taken from that experiment and that is called the CMS experiment at CERN. Um, I've been a STEM ambassador since around autumn 2017 and I've loved every STEM ambassador session I've done. And yeah, I think it's a great way to get into science communication and public engagement.
0: I would love to hear more about your research, and in particular for our listeners who don't know what it is, what is CERN and what is CMS?
1: So CERN is the European Organisation for Nuclear Research. Um, It's situated near Geneva in Switzerland, and it's home to the Large Hadron Collider. So the Large Hadron Collider is shortened to LHC, and the LHC is the largest particle accelerator in the world. It's buried 100 metres under the ground um, and sits astride the French-Swiss border. So parts of it are in France, while other parts are in Switzerland. It's a ring in shape that's 27 kilometres in circumference, and inside this ring, uh, protons are made to accelerate and they collide at uh, record-breaking collision energies. And There are four points on the LHC ring where these collisions happen and at each of those four points there is a detector. These detectors are called ALICE, ATLAS, uh, CMS and LHCB and we use those detectors to absorb the different particles produced after the collisions have occurred. So we can either um, learn more about the particles we've already discovered or we can try to discover new particles. So I work on one of those detectors uh, which is called the CMS detector.
0: That was amazing. You sounded like Wikipedia. Like oh, thank you. That. You clearly have done that before. Um, no, that's excellent. So your research at Brunel is closely linked with that.
1: Yep. Yeah, so um, my home institute is uh, Brunel. So currently I'm uh, based at CERN for a short period of time. But I'm doing my PhD uh, at Brunel. So after my placement at CERN, I'll go back to Brunel and write up my thesis. Um, but I analyse data taken from um, the CMS detector
0: that's very cool. Thank you. (laughs) A lot of people must be wondering what it's like to work in another country and also to work at CERN. It's
1: absolutely amazing. So at CERN there are uh, thousands of people that work there, both based there and around the world um, at different universities, different institutions. So you get to meet a huge range of people from a huge range of backgrounds, so it's such a unique opportunity. Um, Also at CERN there have been many different discoveries and inventions. So, for example, there was a particle called the Higgs boson um, that was discovered uh, using the ATLAS and CMS detectors at CERN. And that particle gives other particles their masses, basically. So there's a big, long, uh, over 50-year search for this particle, and it was finally found. So there's incredible achievements that take place at CERN, um, including the invention of the World Wide Web that happened there too. So it's just mind-blowing that I and based in the same place that these remarkable feats of technology has happened at. Um, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> That's
0: incredible. And obviously, the World Wide Web is something that billions of people around the world use every day. And I didn't know that it all started there at CERN.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah, it, it, The World Wide Web started, um, it was... Uh, Sir Tim Berners-Lee and a group of his colleagues uh, based at CERN um, and I believe it was due to um, so that people working at CERN could share information easy, uh, more easily. So yeah that's where the World Wide Web was born.
0: It sounds like you've had an amazing academic and research career so far. Take me back to when you were at school. How did you end up getting to where you are today?
1: Well at school i had I always loved science and maths and the STEM subjects. Um, so I, think, I knew from pretty early on that that would be uh, kind of the field that I'd lean towards. But really when it was, um, it's 2008, so it was just before I turned 13, that's when the Large Hard-Drawn Collider started up. So I remember hearing about it in the news and everyone was talking about it in school and that was when I first heard about what a particle accelerator is, what CERN is, what a particle physicist does. Uh, so that w- gave me the initial spark um, to think, oh, maybe I could be a particle physicist. And then after that, yeah, physics was my favourite subject at school. I had a very good physics teacher. But then when it got to about year 12 at school, so I was about 17, um, I'd really wanted a work experience placement at CERN. So I would like, none of my family are scientists, um, so I didn't know any particle physicists in real life or anything, but I decided to uh, send a few emails um, to certain email addresses and see, can I have a work experience placement? So I'd never had any research experience prior to that, so I honestly thought that... I'd never get a response (laughs) but um, surprisingly I did and a physicist agreed to supervise me for work experience for weeks so that was amazing and very nerve-wracking because the thought of me going to CERN um, I was just so so excited but yeah very very nervous and it was my first ever time abroad as well. So yeah it was absolutely great fun and um, I got to shadow a physicist for a week so I could see what his job was like and I also got to visit parts of the CERN site so I got to go underground to see the Atlas and CMS detectors and they're both massive and really impressive and uh, got spoke got to speak to many different people working at CERN um, so PhD students uh, theoretical physicists experimental physicists so I can see the differences between their jobs and what their jobs are like so that was that really cemented it for me and it's then I knew I wanted to be a particle physicist.
0: That's absolutely phenomenal that you as a teenager took that initiative to sort of ask for what you wanted even though you expected rejections Um, but it worked out well in the end and that is some amazing inspiration for any young people listening who who could take that example and also shoot their shot for work experiences where they might want to work in the future
1: thank you yeah um yeah definitely I think if any young people wanting to uh, go into their dream field but don't know anyone that works there or um has like no family members that work there or anything like that just just give it a go because the worst they could do is say no um and then you can get feedback and keep trying um but yeah, there's no harm in trying and yeah, you can end up working in your dream place. So yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend it.
0: That's really incredible, particularly as CERN is a world famous research institute. There must be a lot of people who are aspiring to work there. Um but not all of them will take that initiative to actually reach out.
1: Yeah, and especially I didn't I was I did quite well in like physics and stuff, but I wasn't like, I, well, I don't think I was an exceptional student or anything like that, so I didn't have like straight A stars, any of that, so I thought, well, they're probably not going to look at me, they probably want someone who gets 100% all the time and who's like a genius, and it's like I was far from it, so I didn't think they'd ever sort of look at me, but yeah. yeah that was... is so phenomenal, <laughs> I love that, as like an inspirational
0: story, yeah. I'm inspired. Oh, ah, <laughs> ah, thank you. No, that's so great, <laughs> I like that energy, that you, even when you were young, you had the initiative just like just ask just see see what happens i love that can't even (laughs) wrap my head around it
1: the worst comes to worst i just delete the email pretend it never happened
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely you don't know until you try and they'll never be able to offer you a work experience placement if they don't even know you want one yeah
1: and plus if you email directly then um there's not like an advertised position so there's no competition (laughs) to some extent so i'm like sure if you've
0: got a project then yeah Could you tell us a little bit more about what a particle physicist does? Yep, so uh, there are different types of particle physicists, um, but
1: I am an experimental physicist. So I'm still in training because I'm a PhD student, but in my uh, research, I look through data that has been taken by the CMS detector. So whenever a particle physics process happens in the detector, the information about that process is stored as data. So it's my job to look through it and understand it. So uh, specifically, there's a particle called the topwark. Now, it's a type of elementary particle, so that means it can't be broken down any further. It doesn't have smaller constituents that can make it up. Uh, there are many different ways that the quark quark can be produced. Um, some of those ways uh, have been predicted and found in an experiment. Other ways have only been predicted, but we haven't yet got the evidence to say that that process can actually happen. Uh, so I'm looking for one of the processes um, that is predicted to produce a quark, and um, to see if we can say that, yes, this can happen in real life in the detector. So I look through lots and lots of data, use lots of uh, statistics techniques, uh, some machine learning as well, to... Uh, sort of complete the different steps in um, for us to say whether this process can happen or not. Um, Yes, so lots of coding, lots of looking at data.
0: What are some of the potential real-life impacts that people might see with your research?
1: That's a good question. Um, So with uh, this way of producing the TOC work, um, there's no sort of real-world application yet. Uh, So many different uh, searches for different particles, different processes that happen, Um, we don't yet have um, an application we can say that it could be useful, but at this stage we're trying to understand those processes more. So without having a concrete understanding of uh, the different particles' properties, for example, how to produce them, how they break up into other particles, unless we have that understanding, we won't then move on to the next step of finding an application. So at the minute, we don't have an application, but we're still at the stage of learning as much as we can about different processes and different particles. Um, so no application yet, but you never know, maybe in the future.
0: You've mentioned quite a few physics-specific terms, including particles, protons, Higgs boson, top quarks. For those listening who want to find out more about what these are, could you recommend some resources or... Um, websites that they could look to?
1: Um, Definitely. So uh, there's one, I think it's called Scale of the Universe. Uh, It's a really fun website. So you can for example take a human and then you could see what's smaller than a human and then keep going keep going smaller. So you can see uh, atoms which were, so these were things that the the ancient Greeks thought made up everything and couldn't be broken down anymore. But that you can. So if you go smaller than the atom uh, you'll find It contains an atomic nucleus at its centre, which contains even smaller objects called protons and neutrons. And around this nucleus are electrons. Um, So you can keep going smaller. So for example, quarks um, make up protons and neutrons, as well as other different types of particles. So, the um, scale of the universe website is very, very good. So, it lets you sort of scroll into like the proton and see the quark, and then, or scroll the other way and see things that are even, even bigger. Um, so, objects in outer space. So, um, you really get uh, a much better sense of how quarks and atoms fit into the bigger picture.
0: I know that you've done quite a bit of public engagement work, particularly talking about your work with young people. What are some of the misconceptions that you hear about particle physicists?
1: Well, I think one thing is about being a female particle physicist. Sometimes you have students or um, other people in the general public, they'd be quite surprised. Um, Even though there are many, many uh, women working in particle physics and other STEM subjects, but people outside of those fields may not necessarily realise that. So I think that's one thing they're surprised with. Um, Another thing, I think it's... A lot of people have an idea of a stereotype in their head. So, as well as being particle physicist, being a man, they may think they're very socially awkward, geeky, that they can't talk to you, that they, um, yeah, can't deal with any sort of social interaction. When that's, um, yeah, many cases that that's not the case. Uh, there are many uh, particle physicists that people will see as. Um, easy to talk to and very very social and um sometimes even very extroverted as well so um yeah i think a lot of people have a a stereotype um in their heads and then get very surprised if they meet someone that doesn't meet that stereotype but yeah i think other things that people get um surprised with is is what what an actual what the actual job involves so they may not realize that particle physicists use coding that was something I never realized before I first went to CERN as well. I thought everyone would um, be using equations and solving math problems a lot. And I never realized that they used code when I was young. And I think many people as well don't realize that as well. Um, See so yeah, as even surprises about the job itself that they don't realize
0: plays a part of it as well. So you've mentioned that particle physicists use coding and you've also mentioned that particle physicists actually do have social skills, unlike the stereotype. What other skills are important for someone in your role?
1: I think definitely having good people skills because... For in many scientific institutions such as in CERN or elsewhere um, the people that work on those experiments, they're actually part of collaborations, so uh, in the CMS collaboration I think there's around 4,000 people so you have many, many meetings um, during the week and you're never 100% working on your own you're always either getting advice from someone or working directly with someone so you've got to have um, good communication skills and interpersonal skills to be able to work a so yeah I think that's the most important thing being able to work other, with other people.
0: Yeah that seems to be a common thread with the STEM ambassadors that we've spoken to it seems like every job you have to work with people of different cultures of different backgrounds and different um, STEM disciplines as well.
1: Yeah because even as a particle physicist we could work with engineers or other people in STEM.
0: Do you have an idea of what you want to do after you finish your PhD?
1: So I'd like to stay uh, working in particle physics research. I think I'd love to carry on working for a certain experiment because I've absolutely loved it so far. Um, At one point I'd like to go into lecturing because I love helping others to learn about um, different physics topics and just help other people. And I'd also like to be involved in science communication and public engagement at the same time. So, yeah, so a mixture of doing research in particle physics, but also doing some work with the public as well uh, to teach other people about what myself and other people do
0: in the field. And if you weren't a particle physicist, is there another job that you think you might have instead?
1: I think I'd do as a role in science communication, but full time. Because at the moment I do science communication work here and there. So, for example, I'm a, a tour guide for my experiment. Um, so when we have visitors that come to visit CERN and want to see the CMS detector, I take them underground and then they get to see it. Um, and I'll answer their questions about the detector and um, other questions about CERN. And so I do stuff here and there. But if I wasn't, if my main job wasn't a particle physicist, I would then do um, some. Thing where I'm working with the public full time, so science communication, because um, I absolutely love that too.
0: There's a lot of overlap between science communication work and the volunteer work that our STEM ambassadors do. Could you talk us through some of the different activities you've done as a STEM ambassador and your experiences? So I've done uh, many, many uh, different activities
1: as a STEM ambassador. Um, so some of them have been uh, giving talks at school, at different schools. So one example I can remember, I gave uh, an assembly. So there were just over, I think it was 300 different students. So that was an amazing experience. It was lovely. So I was just uh, talking about um, what a particle physics physicist is, what I do, and about the Large Hadron Collider and answering questions from the kids. And then after that, um, I led an activity in their classrooms. So at the time, I was a student at Queen Mary University, and uh, they have these particle physics Lego kits. Um, So I borrowed a Lego kit and uh, led an activity uh, with the children, so that was really, really fun. Yeah, so some of them have been given assemblies, some have been uh, like a careers networking event, so there'd be a hall full of uh, students and a different STEM ambassador on each table and then we'd alternate. So they'd each ask us questions, sort of quick fire questions about our jobs and stuff like that. Um, and then others have been uh, helping with interview techniques so I was delivering a mock interviews at a college and then I gave them advice afterwards on uh, things that were good and things that they can work on. Um, so yeah, I, I really like how um, being a STEM ambassador, you can do a complete range of different opportunities. That's good. didn't even have
0: to ask you to say that. <laughs> um, it's great to hear that you've had a wide range of experiences. Uh, we really appreciate having people like you as STEM ambassadors sharing what you do. Oh, thank you. I've, I've,
1: yeah, I think the STEM ambassador um, program's really, really good. Um, not only for the students or um, the people I'm working with, but for myself as well to build up my confidence. Because, um, yeah, it's a great way to firstly find opportunities that they're looking for, visitors to talk at an event, um, but also improving my confidence because one of the reasons I joined... Um, was I had given uh, some talks in schools before, but not that many, and I've always been a naturally quite a shy person. Um, so thought, well, there's no better way of sort of overcoming shyness than um, giving an assembly to hundreds of students. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was one of the reasons I signed up to be a STEM ambassador as well to um try and overcome shyness as well, which is helped massively, um, and it's also helped in. Um, my everyday work because uh, even when I give a more uh, technical presentation um, that's to fellow academics about my work the skills that I've gained from uh, giving a talk to the public being able to get up in front of lots lots of people and um, explain a topic it's helped me in my everyday work as well Um, yeah so it's been fantastic.
0: It seems like you knew you wanted to be a particle physicist from a fairly young age when you were still at school. Do you have any words of advice for young people who might not be sure if physics is the right path for them?
1: I think that if um, someone isn't sure whether physics is the right path for them, I'd recommend if they're, for example, looking into studying physics at university, but not too sure. Uh, Many universities offer open days so you can see what it's like to study at the university, they might offer a taster lecture. So if you don't know what a lecture is, you can find out what it's like. And during those days, there will, will likely be uh, student ambassadors. So there'll be the current students work, uh, studying that course, and they'll be there to answer questions as well. So you can get uh, opinions from the student side, not just from uh, the lecturers and people who work there. So for universities, that would be um, a fantastic thing to do um and i think also even if it's not if a student isn't looking at university but maybe looking for another role like an apprenticeship or something like that um i think a good way would be to contact someone who perhaps worked there um ask them as many questions as they can because i'm sure they'll be happy to answer um anything um So yes, so so I think even if you don't know someone who works in a field um, and you have questions that you'd like to be asked, just reach out and contact and I'm sure they'd be happy to answer any questions that you have and it'll help you sort of decide whether that field would be right or not for you.
0: Is there anything that you wish you had done differently in your path so far?
1: Um, That's a good question. I think no, because if I did anything differently then... um, I probably wouldn't be where I am today so my path hasn't uh hasn't always been perfect even when it comes down to um university if I I didn't always get good grades um but it still doesn't mean you can't get to where you need to be where you want to be um so yeah I don't think I'd change anything um and looking back I've uh I think I've been uh, very lucky and I've also worked very hard, so I'm just amazed at some of the experience I I have been able to have um, by working in STEM. Um, But, yeah, I wouldn't change anything.
0: Thank you. I think that's a really valuable answer, actually, particularly because physics is seen as a subject where people expect you to be a maths, physics genius in order to achieve um, when we know that that's not necessarily the case.
1: I think that's a very common misconception that many people think that you have to be perfect or a genius and know the answer straight away when, I mean, that's not the case at all, otherwise I wouldn't be working in the field I'm in because I'm definitely nowhere near being a genius at all. Um, So, yeah, I think it it is very normal to make mistakes um, and uh, not fully understand things sometimes. Um, But the difference being is what makes a good physicist is someone that doesn't um, let that stop them and they'd go out and they'd ask the questions and they'd keep asking until they've understood. So it may take a week to understand something, it may take longer, but as long as they keep trying and they keep asking the questions, then that's what is a good physicist, not necessarily someone that knows knows everything and knows all the answers
0: immediately. Are there any physics um, mentors or role models that you have and aspire to be like?
1: Um, I have yeah, I have many different role models. Um, one of them is uh, the supervisor that supervised my first work experience placement at CERN because he went on to supervise me um, later on. So I was a CERN summer student uh, just after I finished my final year of university. So he supervised me for a two-month project of that um, and we still keep in touch. So he's given me lots of uh, good advice. Um, for pursuing a career as a physicist. Um, And uh, yeah, he's definitely one of my role models.
0: Once you had done your work experience at CERN and knew that you wanted to be a particle physicist, what did you do next?
1: Yeah, so after I had uh, work experience at CERN, I finished sixth form. And then I studied uh, for an MSci in physics at Queen Mary. Uh, so for those that don't know, an MSI it's equivalent to a master's degree. But instead of graduating between the, bas- uh, the bachelor's and the master's, it's all part of the same course. Um, so it's a four-year long course. So I studied an MSci in physics at Queen Mary. Uh, absolutely loved it. Um, it was great fun. And... Um, As part of the course, I got to study a range of different modules from astrophysics to particle physics uh, to uh, quantum physics. Uh, There was a complete range, which was great. Also at university, the summer holidays are a lot longer than they are at school. So you can have about three or four months off. So it's a great time to travel, to relax, but also to do summer internships. So those are short placements to help you to decide what a job is like and whether it's for you or whether it isn't. So during university, I had three different internships. One was um, again at CERN, but this time it was in science communication. So I was um, writing articles for the CERN website for the public and uh, interviewing physicists as well. So that was great fun. And the second one was at a place called Daisy in Germany. So it's a research institute and they're Many research institutions around the world, they collaborate together. So while I was at DAISY, I was analysing data taken from CERN, from the atlas detector. So I was doing more particle physics research there. And then the following year, I was a CERN summer student. So I had a mixture, uh, like with DAISY, I had a mixture of lectures and I had a research project. So that was on the CMS experiments, that was great fun. And then I also got tours of various parts of CERN. So yeah, it was absolutely amazing and great fun. And then after that, I started my PhD. So a PhD, it provides more training so you can become an independent researcher by the end of it. And at the end of it, as well as acquiring a huge wealth of knowledge, you get the title of a doctor at the end of it. So that's what I'm currently doing.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Catherine. You've shared some amazing words of advice. We really appreciate everything that you do as a STEM ambassador, and I'm sure that you will keep inspiring the next generation of particle physicists.